This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. this entire hotel for the whole night. This is going to be the greatest Halloween party in the history of Halloween parties. The party was supposed to start by now. You have to believe in miracles. That's your miracle. folks welcome once again to howling at the full moon brought to you by cinema degeneration i am your host cameron scott and this is my co-host my regular co-host dustin hubbard how we doing tonight dustin hey i am doing okay i'm getting by (laughs) Uh, that's all we can do in this day and age is just get by one day at a time right that is true but that's why we have this little bit of escapism in the form of our silly little podcast uh, for our little niche of uh, Full Moon and Charles Band movies. And we got we got a, a pretty new one. I think this is probably the newest one we've covered uh, besides the double feature that we just covered last night. Uh, this was one of the, the Deadly Ten series, uh, yep. 2019's Ouija's Halloween Night. That's Halloween, not Halloween. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a pr- the IMDb synopsis is basically a full on summary, but you know I don't think we really need to do a full on summary. Uh, you know the line it has here it says it's in the tradition of Empire Pictures classic horror comedy Ghoulies. The Deadly Ten presents a new original tale that's destined to become an instant full moon favorite, and that's really all you need to know. It's a m- more modern telling of the eighties uh, ver- uh, of 
the eighties hit Ghoulies. Uh, it harkens back to movies like like that, like uh, Gremlins. Uh, you likened it to kind of a little bit like Pokemon, you yeah. know, like an evil version of Pokemon. Yeah, it's you know, like Ghoulies meets Pokemon. That's what it is to me. <laughs> yeah, which they they have the rambunctiousness the the Ouija's do of like the Gremlins meets Ghoulies, you know, kind of mode. There's even a toilet gag. There's uh. You know, them just doing all sorts of different hijinks that these bad guys like to have a good time. And that that's the that's the thing about it. it, it, it this movie is just a good time. Uh, yeah. it was released uh, late 2019, directed by Danny Draven, written by Charles Band, Danny Draven, a couple others that I did not write down. Uh, you probably would know them, but I, I am missing them right now. Mm-hmm. I did notice that the score was done by a Jojo Draven. Is that, you know, if that's any relation to Danny? Yes, Jojo is actually Danny's wife. Oh, okay. I figured it had to be relation or by marriage of some some sort. Yeah, I but I, jo- Josephine, I believe, is her her full name, but she goes by Jojo. Uh, it's great music. The incidental music that they play throughout it, even some of the you know more fun kind of you know upbeat kind of songs, you know, and some of the the rock and roll that that's played in it, you know, is a lot of heavy metal, very chunky. I, I always refer to it as kind of chunky guitar driven heavy metal. It's very yeah. good. It, it's 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 well produced music, but I love the way this. Uh, Starts out, you know, as it says, the night he got stoned, uh, as the title card that comes up that says Halloween 1978, and we open on a house that looks like a a little bit more dressed up version of the Michael Myers house from Halloween. (laughs) And and, and that was obviously deliberate. I I mean, but it was a nice little wink and a nod. I like that. And, you know, it starts off at the end of another story. Somebody has uh, pissed off the Baroness. And owes him, owes her his uh, soul. He's trying to put the last of the Ouija's back into the board, which you will, you will find out later on. You know that once the Ouija's come out, you have you know till the was it the, till the clock strikes twelve, uh, yeah. or or strikes twelve times, chimes twelve times to put the the Ouija's back into the the Ouija board. Yeah, and it's not a Ouija board, but it's a weed G board. Yeah, which. <laughs> I love it. I, w- I would love that prop. I'm a prop guy. I, I love pr- props and unique stuff. I would love to have the Ouija board. Prop. Yeah, I, I know they really strove to make the, the Ouija board itself like its own kind of character as well in the movie. Because it's so weird and unique and not really like a regular, uh, you know, Ouija, Ouija board with, you know, with an O. <laughs> Well, you know, it's got the the little contraption that moves around. I don't, I don't forgive me for not knowing my uh, correct terminology here that you use to point out the words. The but planchette. Planchette. That's it. God, I should know this by now. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough of them, and I've seen enough of them, of course, in movies that I should know that planchette. But uh, the little bits and bobs that come up out of the the Ouija board. You know uh, the different insignias for the different Ouija's. You know, yeah, one they're is, like little, little like twisty character knobs or something. <laughs> yeah, like out of like out of like a kid's Fisher's Price toy. You know, like this one's a circle, this one's a square, but it kind of pops up and spins around and comes back down. You know, when they're summoned, and it's, it's kind of like a little bit of the Hellraiser box thrown in for good measure. Yeah. But, you know, it, it opens up. A guy is trying to put the last of the Ouija in, Ouija's in. He fails. He gets sucked into the board and becomes another Ouija himself. And then it flashes forward to present day. We got our three stars, uh, Dallas, Madison, and Frankie, played respectively by Victoria Strange, uh, Brett Hargrave, and Yo Ying. I'm I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, but mm. I'm giving it the best shot that I can. Yeah. Uh, they're just three college girls wanting to throw a party that just happened to uh, land a whole hotel for free. It's alluded to that the girl did a quote-unquote favor for the hotel, but they never quite mention what that favor is or just 
left to wonder. But it's like, it's still, I'm thinking, that must have been one hell of a favor to get to rent a, an entire hotel, a, a grand old hotel like that, which I wrote down. The location was called the Artisan Boutique Hotel. I have yeah. never heard of this place, but uh, it is beautiful. It it's is. Beautiful the location. Artisan is the same location where they actually shot uh, Evil Bong 777 as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. I thought it looked like I knew I had seen it before. I thought maybe it was uh, with Ravenwolf Towers, but I knew that wasn't correct. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very unique looking hotel, especially the the interior. It's it's design and the way they've uh, decorated it is is very very memorable. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, a modern day Adams family uh, bought and you know decorated a hotel that basically. Yeah. We, we got there but they're getting ready to throw a halloween party which they're having absolutely like no people showing up they're like how many tickets have we pre-sold and i think the girl says like what two they yeah sold two even though they've i've been instagramming i've been facebooking i've been tweeting i've been like yeah yeah you got two people coming but you know they're uh renting out this hotel in vegas and you know right in the middle of downtown vegas and they got a guy Name uh, Claude, played by Johnny J. Lee. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him in this movie because he's constantly getting punked. I mean, did you did you feel the same way I did? Like the girls were just very mean to him and just completely put they him were, out. Yeah, it's funny because the girls in this they kind of they do they do use him, <laughs> but oh, and big time they they very they're very much manipulating him to you know they manipulate him to to make the golden nug and to kind of assist with things. And, you know, they, they use yeah. it to their own will, but he, and he lets them though. So, you know, yeah. he, he lets them for his own reasons because he's has the hots for, uh, was it, uh, Dallas, for Dallas you know, yeah. who, who just shuns him at every step of the way, but he's willing to sell off his services just to be invited to the party. And it's yep. it's a it's a weed party. It's a weed scavenger hunt. People are paying for tickets to come in and search for this thing called the Golden Nug. And the Golden Nug is just that. It's this glazed over, just bountiful nugget of uh, super weed that he created in a lab that he said will make you fly. It's so good, you know. And, but he hasn't had a chance to try it. Nobody's had a chance to try it. So they don't know what it'll do to you. But it's supposed to be like the baddest weed on the planet, which, you know. I was just I was waiting for the evil bong guys to just make a cameo appearance. I think that was, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm going to preface this by saying that I love this movie. I was highly impressed with with it as a throwback to Ghoulies and Gremlins and whatnot. But my one disappointment was not having any of the evil bong guys show up. It just seemed like a, a perfect opportunity to, you know, maybe they didn't want to crossbreed their, uh, you know, weed franchises. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they're like keep these guys, keep these guys separate keep these two franchises separate <laughs> later on there is a, a prop from uh evil bong 777 outside oh, the, i must i must the hotel when the the weed wolf is seen with a victim there's actually a, a dead clown holding a, a pumpkin thing and it's actually a, a pumpkin prop from evil bong 777 oh i totally missed that I was paying too much attention to the weed wolf. <laughs> Again, the, cl the dead clown outside is also, uh, he's dressed like Hambo the clown. Oh, nice. Yeah, see, I got to watch. I know you've watched it, what, two, three times now. I've only watched it the, the once. <laughs> but yeah, it's, the, you it's, know, it's good I, for repeat viewings. There's a lot There's a lot going on. So, Well, you know, uh, what I want to rewatch it for is the Baroness. I yeah. really like her. I like her character. She's a little bit like she reminds me of Angela Bassett from that like third season of um, American Horror Story, the voodoo queen. Mm -hmm. And uh, Denise Milford plays her. I'm not familiar with her, but I'm going to dive into her work because she is a, a big reason to see this movie. And she's someone to watch for, too, because she did two Deadly Ten movies. She is actually going to also be in female and cosmic crush. Um, good reason to watch it then. I might be <laughs> next ones we have to watch. So, and I know I'm sure a very different type of role. So yeah, oh, I'm sure, but she just captivates. She's very good. Yeah, she's she's, very she's good really actor. good as the Baroness. 
But then we even have a, a, an even more 80s kind of moment. This movie is very 80s while remaining very modern at the same time, but it is a throwback. Because then we get our montage where it's like the movie Popcorn. They're like setting up the theater. They're setting up the, <laughs> you know, the hotel. It, and yeah. it's, they're as equally bad at their job. They're just kind of lazily hanging the decorations, pushing a broom around, cleaning the place up. You know, it's that 80s montage where they're like, we're getting everything ready to go while really doing nothing. It's just an excuse. I'm such a sucker for, like, silly, like, musical montages. Oh, me too. I loved it. It just made me laugh. I kept thinking of the movie Popcorn. That's what it reminded me of. That's a a great movie, and it's got got a great montage also. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, it's such a beautiful location. I didn't mind that uh, that the montage was kind of silly. You know, I I loved it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by some miracle, they end up uh, packing the party. You know, when they open up the party, uh, everything is just, you know, couldn't be couldn't be at this point, couldn't be going any better. And I noticed cameos from a bunch of people. We have somebody in a ginger dead man outfit. We got somebody in a blade from Puppet Master outfit. Uh, David Dakota is in there. Cody Cameron is in there. Robin Sidney, even uh Diana Prince, Darcy the male girl from uh, Joe Bob. Uh, Sean Phillips is in there. You know, yeah. there's a, a bunch of little cameos and d- different people. And the outfits are really colorful. Like, I think the outfits, you know, are really most of the time when they have a big Halloween party, you get a bunch of people that are partying and only a couple people are dressed up. I like the fact that everybody is dressed up. Yeah, everything's very, very, like, li- very lively and colorful and. Like, everyone looks different. Well, you know, it's like Cody is dressed as the cowgirl. You got uh, Darcy is, uh, or Diana Prince is uh, dressed as, a, like, a sheriff, you yep. know. And, you know, and uh, we, we got the mime couple. We got the, the other couple that's the, uh, the hot dog and the bun, which I thought was funny. And yeah. I love, and I think the 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 mime couple are are very funny too, and they they keep it up the whole, the whole movie, no pun intended, giggity. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know they keep up the the guise of being you know mimes throughout the whole movie. They don't ever say a word. But uh, there is a scene that comes up that I had to make a note of that I put Claude dances almost as bad as Crispin Glover. And Friday the 13th Part 4. He's almost that manic and almost that bad. But he at least gets to dance. He, he's he's opening up. He's kind of, a, you know, a shy guy. He's a science nerd, you know. Yeah. But And he, he, he does warn Madison that he does not know how to dance. So he wasn't lying. Yeah, she was forewarned. She was forewarned. But uh, and, and maybe you can explain this because I watched it this part over twice. What was with the thank you guy, the real, the creeper dude that that just kept saying thank you over and over again in that really kind of dry monotone? They were sitting, like that... sitting with Mindy. Yes, I think that was medicated Pete. He's, I think he's a Howard Stern personality. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm that... guessing though. There were a lot of people that were uh, invited to the shoot that were like like weird TV personalities or like social media personalities or like radio personalities like that, like medicated Pete and like, I want to say like, like, Oh God, I don't even remember Sal, the stock broker and like the McRib lady and stuff like that. And a lot of those people, I really don't know who a lot of them are. (laughs) Like some of the pretty girls. Anybody would know you would, you would possibly know, but like some of the pretty girls, like, you know, that Sean's interviewing and stuff, they're just like, they're just like, uh, social media influencers and stuff. So they're like fake celebs in my opinion, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I call them new age age celebrity. But I think that too, Mindy was, (laughs) <laughs> saddled with in, in her sequence was I think that was medicated Pete. He at least seems like he would be the medicated one of the party guests. So, yeah, I I thought maybe it was just an inside joke that I wasn't catching. But I was just like, okay, this it might even be like a Howard Stern show joke that goes over my head because I don't really watch Howard Stern. 
or listen to him, I should say. So, yeah, neither do I. I I don't, I'm not a Howard Stern fan, but I didn't know who some of the people were. But I was just like, you know, I I figured they got to be, they got to be somebody. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, they mean someone to someone. I'm sure someone, you know, like was thrilled that like Esther Goldberg or people like that were there, you know? So. But yeah, yeah, you know, just because we're not fans or don't know of them, that doesn't mean that they're they're, you know, not celebrities in their own right. I I just didn't get it. I was like, okay, like there's some weird guy. It says thank you twenty times in a row, and <laughs> and really weird, and like you would not want him uh, following you in a dark alleyway. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> but uh, but the scavenger hunt starts. They lay down the ground rules. Is basically everybody is paired off you know, is given a couple of, like, uh, tickets or a couple little, uh, you know, cards with hints to where they can go to find clues to find the golden nugget. And this is where we, you know, the the Baroness enters again with the Ouija board. I, I got to make sure I say that way, cause, right, because it's not a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. But, but by playing it, it kind of seals the building's doom, you know? It's like you get the idea, like, all, all this kind of, crackling power of magic just kind of surrounds the building and kind of like i'd almost say just resurrects the evil which are the ouija's and the ouija's get resurrected one at a time and i know one is called weed wolf what are the names of the other three kind of gremlin yeah, things yeah the weed wolf is the one that's actually played by a little person uh played by the don who uh, would be known by to Full Moon fans as he played the Cyclops in Unlucky Charms. He actually played uh, Beezlebud in Evil Bong 666 and 777. And he was actually the eye-patched assistant to Larnell in Ginger Dead Man vs. Evil Bong. Oh, okay. Don, okay. Don. On Peter Battlemente is his actual name, but he goes by the Don a lot when he works for Full Moon. So he was the Weed Wolf. Uh, the snake-like female one is Goblin, Lynn, oh. like Goblin. And then oh, uh, the one that plays the guitar is it looks like a like a greasy pirate is uh, Motor Breath. And motor Breath. Motor Breath, and the other uh, one like the. I don't know, the funny nose uh, that looks kind of like a little, I don't know, troll goblin looking thing. That's actually, it's like he's eating the cake in the one scene. And yeah, stuff. I'd say he kind of looks like, a, he looks like a ghouly face fucked a troll. Yeah, he that is um, <laughs> uh, gravestoned. Motor Breath is then is my favorite. He's the one I like. The one He comes out of the Ouija board with a guitar. Yeah, he's, he's the ready, coolest he's one. And, and I will note that the young, the young Stoner who actually becomes sucked into the board at the beginning. If you watch when he's sucked into the board, the the knob that he goes into that lights up, actually he becomes the weed wolf. Oh, so our our victim from seventy eight is in fact the weed wolf. Yeah, because if you get if you get captured by it, you become one. So yeah, when he got captured in the opening scene, he actually became the weed wolf. Nice. TC, I definitely need to watch it again. I need to watch it a second time. Yeah. And if you, if you look close on the design of the board, too, there are two or three additional knobs up around the top where I guess... I noticed that. I did notice that. some extra people that maybe failed, there would be room for them to actually uh, get absorbed into the, the vacant spots. Nice. I can only hope that they do uh, another one of these. This is right pickings for a sequel and I, kn- I know it's been out you know less than a year you know but still one can hope and hopefully they get the oh the location again is just absolutely bonkers that is just a beautiful place it's it's a character in and of itself because when people yeah. start you know going off on their own to go and discover you know and uh, go along with the scavenger hunt that is <clears throat> Yeah, it, like I love exploring this place. I could have had a whole behind the scenes moment just watching this. But uh, <clears throat> the Baroness, you know, lets them know they have sealed their doom, and this is where uh, they summon the Ganja Ghost, which is kind of like the, 
I guess you would consider him like a harbinger of doom, you know, that kind of tells he not only tells them what they're in for and what what, you know, they've opened up upon themselves, but he also tells them like how to defeat, you know, the Ouija's, which I thought was kind of not a smart move by the Ganja Ghost. <laughs> yeah. You know? I I just kind of took it like it's more of like a game <laughs> for them. I don't know. Maybe they don't really expect anyone to really actually succeed anyway, because the uh, the uh, Ouija's themselves are such like out of control, like little party monsters. Because one one thing I think is so hilarious about this movie is is that there's just it reminds me of like old school like Gremlins movies too, because there's a lot of sequences and like musical montages where it's just showing them doing like their nutty shenanigans, you know. And those were some of my favorite parts. Yeah, which which I always find amusing. You know, lots of sh- just random shenanigans of eating or terrorizing people, killing randos who aren't real right. characters in the movie. You know, like because if you notice, like no, almost none of the actual main characters die. All the people who die are like throwaway party guests. Right, like totally. Uh, like I made a note of that. I'm like, our our main characters. If you're a main character in this movie, you're safe. Yeah, the only real sort of maybe primary guest who dies, at least in my mind, dies was um, the snake charmer. <laughs> when uh, Gravestone blows the, the dirty smoke back in his face and he like kind of turns a weird color and just sort of like stiffens up and falls over like he's dead. But other than that, yeah. like all the regular <laughs> main guests are super safe. So... Yeah, it's more about shenanigans than it is about deaths and killing. It's it is, and I, and you know what? I'm totally okay with that because that that really lays into the idea of like you know fun classic little monster movies is showing little monsters just causing mayhem and showing a lot of goofy little monster shenanigans. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, I was too. It was a refreshing change. That's what I liked about this movie. It was. It was more of a return to classic kind of full moon fair. Yep. You, you know, and just little monsters causing havoc, you know, and cra- just catching the crazy shit going on in the background, you know, catching the little things, all the shenanigans, you know. Like you said, they're always eating something or just being destructive little shits. And yep. they're just fun to watch. And it's fun to watch something with minimal cgi you know i mean there's like a lot of smoke and kind of lightning and you know electrical kind of effects and whatnot that are cgi'd but like all the creature effects are practical and i love it for that you know which is a good throwback for full moon too because they've not really had a a lot of movies in the last handful of years that had really good like creature you know, puppet animatronic stuff. So it was a nice return to form. Yeah, it was refreshing. It it was. But yeah, you know, really, you know, you don't know this going into it, but we know because we've already watched it. I mean, uh, the the main characters are pretty much safe. You know, we've already kind of let that cat out of the bag. They're fighting the entire time. They split up the three three girls and uh, Claude. Mm-hmm. To you know, and they each have half of the what the hell is it called again? Because they break it in half. I uh, the, plan- the planchette. Planchette. God, why can I never remember that? <laughs> uh, one of these days, I'll remember what the hell the, that word is. But they break the planchette in half to use it as a w- weapon to trap the Ouija's and bring them back to the board. And that's basically, you know, the, the rest of the movie is, you know. Uh, if they don't put the Ouija's back on the board, they will become Ouija's too. So that they're, you know, they split up the two uh, two girls, uh, Madison and Frankie, split up together, and Dallas and Claude are also, to, you know, together. So because you know, I think they even say at one point, I think the line goes something like, you know, I know this always is a bad line in a movie or whatnot, but I think we should split up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really like the first time it's I think in a movie like this where it's actually a good idea, you know. Because most of the time it's I would totally agree that it's a bad idea, but <laughs> it's re- yeah, really yeah, it, it probably is a good idea. Uh, well, I mean, 
the first kill is really not very graphic. It's just a, a rando in a pool, but it's really well shot. It's some under, un, un, underwater shots that are done really well. And then a kind of a, a drone shot from overhead that looks, you know, it's, it's really got nice production value. It's a yeah. little bit crazier, a little bit wilder than the full moon fair as of late. You know, it, you can tell they definitely put some money into this one. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then the next note I had, I didn't know what you thought of this. I, some people might think it was like too over the top and too much of a wink, wink, nod, nod to old school full moon. But when the elevator opens up and there's that eerie red light and the smoke kind of coming out and there's the two guys there standing there dressed up as Tunneler and Blade. I love oh, yeah. that. It's it's. Pup, it's puppet master puppets in an elevator like in part one <laughs> yeah yeah like totally totally yeah. and i literally clapped i, I was there's nobody else in the house i'm just watching the movie by myself i just clapped like yeah. i was just like well done well done and i like how they just sat in there they don't say or move or do anything they just bing hit the button elevator closes up and you never see him again yeah that was that was enough you didn't need any more more than that but it was real uh, anyway like i said i thought that was a nice little wink and a nod to the, the you know the full moon of old oh yeah definitely but then the ouija's start bumping off uh the partiers one by one there's even a little ode to ghoulies where the guy is sitting on the toilet and he's reaching for the toilet paper and the ouija kind of hands him the toilet toilet paper and I, th I thought it was very ghoulies like and I don't yeah. mean that as a as a detriment. I I, I just love it because this movie is a, just a complete love letter uh, to ghoulies and you know hobgoblins and gremlins and whatnot. Yeah. You know I don't keep saying these same titles over and over again, but folks, if you haven't seen some of these titles, you got to you got to see them. Well, and Danny Draven has stated that he literally went into it with the mindset that he was directing a ghoulies movie set in Vegas. So. That you was, know, that was his literal to, director's approach. He, they literally, if they could have gotten the the rights to the names, they could have pretty much just called this Ghoulies in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I also like the fact that they didn't make it a sequel or, a, you know, God forbid, a reboot. You know, just made it its own thing and kind of made their own characters, you know, yeah, the same but different. Yeah, but, you know, and I uh, my next note here in big capital letters is just Ouija's create shenanigans, you know. <laughs> yeah, and the one one Ouija, the weed wolf, escapes on a bike, so <laughs> Claude and Dallas have to chase after him by car. And in a couple of the shots, it's very clear that they CG not CG, but they green screened. Yeah, you know the weed wolf riding through Vegas, but I didn't care. Normally, I'd been, I'd have been like, oh, man, come on. You couldn't have, you know, afforded to do this the, the real way. But, like, I, I like the way they, they did it. It was just comical. It made me laugh. And that was without the benefit of a golden nug. I was laughing my ass off at this. <laughs> uh, I like the fact that the, the what was his name? Uh, Motor Breath, I think was what you call them, the guitar playing yeah. Ouija. Yeah. That he the two headbangers, those are the only two like in even semi like big time party guests that they, you know that we get any kind of time with that get killed. He plays the the, the guitar in the solo, which is a great fucking solo. Usually, you know, when m moments like this happen, the music is not very good, but the music was really, really good. Uh, but he plays uh, a guitar solo until both their heads explode. Yeah, which, he shred he shreds so hard he kills them. <laughs> yeah they catch the they catch uh gravestone when he attacks the baby and then they oh, catch God. and then they catch uh motor breath second and then this is about the point uh where we get a little bit of a robin sydney cameo she's in one scene and it's a memorable one she's kind of sitting on a guy's lap who is, is being pretty crude and rude but she ha is having none of it and she, she runs off she scoffs at his advances and runs away i would have liked to see a little bit more robin but you know this was not her show this was the ouija show you know <laughs> yeah but we get close as we get closer to the end i mean the third ouija down they get weed wolf they managed to contain him 
And just as Hot Dog and Bun, as I call them, are about to be awarded the Golden Nug because they kind of make it to the end. They're the only, like, uh, partygoers still around. They're the only partygoers still left alive. Uh, the final Ouija, uh, the female one, snatches up the bowl with the Golden Nug in it, smokes it, and you don't really know what's going to happen at this point. You know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought it would have turned her into a super Ouija, but uh, you want to yeah. take but uh uh I, I mean i didn't i don't know i guess i just didn't expect this to be happening i i, I expect like i said her to turn into a super ouija at some point but no it causes actually the the ouija's you know weakness is weed is she, i think it, even the baroness is just like you know no it's too soon it's too soon or something to that effect but notice what happened when she smoked it she flew she flew so <laughs> So Claude was right. Claude was right the whole time. He, he deserved he deserved some some kudos for that. Yep. But <laughs> yeah, the Ouija, uh, the female Ouija flies flying high. No pun intended. Well, actually, every pun intended. And and hovers over the the Ouija board and gets sucked right back in. And you know, I think it's kind of funny because like it's literally like two seconds later the final bell tolls. So they really like they managed to get all four of the Ouija's back into the board within seconds of, you know, which would have been like the end for them. Yeah. You know, and the and then at the very, very end, we're almost at the end of the movie. Here's a very quick movie. It's only uh, about 70 minutes long. Uh, hot dog and bun once again turn down what's left of the left of the golden nug they're just like we don't want none of that like <laughs> we we have seen enough we've seen plenty we've been high enough we don't need we don't need any of that but we're we're done but we get one final last jump scare from the ganja ghost uh which i thought was pretty funny and that's the end of our movie uh we we have dallas and, and claude by the end of the movie do end up becoming a couple they end up becoming a crazy the sex driven couple because they're making out like crazy at the end and even their two friends uh frankie and madison kind of you know are like i can deal with everything else that happened tonight i can't deal with this yeah yeah but uh i think you know really my favorite part of the movie is not even a part of the movie it's the beginning of the end credits and this is not meant to be a joke you know that the end credits was my favorite part but you know as it says in big bold letters across the screen in loving memory of john carl beekler and him there with the picture of a couple of ghoulie ghoulies one under each arm i think it was from like ghoulies three ghoulies yeah. four yeah it's from ghoulies three that was my favorite part that made me almost tear up a little bit because i've yeah, met no, honestly it's a perfect capper to a really fun popcorn movie that's a really good classic throwback to i think old fun old school full moon and you know like old school full moon john carl beekler is and was a huge part of that so ending it on that note was a a nice like bittersweet moment honestly it, it was a nice way to pay tribute to his legacy because yeah. he's a big part of full moon. He always has been and always will be, you know, uh, from ghoulies to, you know, I mean, uh, to ginger dead man, you yeah, know, from it's gender dead man, demonic toys, like cellar dweller, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, yeah. I mean, not only was he a director, you know, I mean, he was a, such a great special effects man, you know, a great creature creator. And he was a nice guy. I met him uh, at one of the first Days of the Dead conventions in Indianapolis, and he came up to my table and bought a copy of my movie and started a conversation with me. And I'm just like, that was a proud moment for me. And he was very nice and very, you know, encouraging and whatnot. Yeah, and he's always, a very, very talented, genuine, noble man. Yeah, and he's been gone for a few years now, but we miss him. But the, this movie, you know, like you said, it, it was a perfect capper. You know, they didn't need no 
mid-credit sequence. They didn't need no, you know, post-credit sequence. They yep. just ending it on that. You know, and I'll say that, you know, you, you said that, you know, it might sound weird that that was your favorite part being the end. But, you know, like I've told you this before that a lot of times I'm a big credit nerd and I love I love end credits. And this movie has really fun end credits because we start off with that. It's got some nice like scrolling images and things, you know, as it goes by. And it's very designed and it's got it's got a really fun end title song, too, called The Ouija's of the Night. It's just it's yeah, a I very would, fun wrap-up. I would love to have this on a soundtrack if they were to put it out, like, either to download or on CD even. I would love to have this soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Same. I would definitely buy it if they ever released it. And I did notice in the credits, I'm sure you already know this, but Danny Draven and Robin Sidney both did uh, a lot of the voice work for the Ouija's and whatnot in this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I still have to say I, I didn't cover one thing. The one thing I, I did want to cover when the two stoner guys are encountering one of the the Ouija's in the party. This is where my favorite line comes out. And they say, is that a rat? And he's like, "Nah, it's just an ugly kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other guy takes a look and he's like, that really is an ugly kid. You know, I. <laughs> I thought that was almost less like a, a wink and a nod to like child's play, like fucking ugly doll, like, you know, that yeah. kind of mode. It was yeah. great. It was a lot of fun. You know, uh, I look forward to more of these. I, I hope I hope the, that this is uh, the start of another franchise for them. Yeah, if there's any if there's any justice in the world there, this of a lot of the newer stuff they've done in the last handful of years, this is one that deserves like, you know seven or eight sequels honestly oh yeah because you can really build on the mythology too and you know create new ouija's with each movie and you know you could explore more about who the baroness actually is and you know yeah and you know and you know expand upon the baroness expand upon uh where'd the damn damn board come from you know like there's all kinds of stuff you could actually delve into it but you know it's just a matter of if if they'll do it, you know. Right. So if it's if it's profitable, you can probably guarantee that uh, old Charlie will will do more of them. Yeah. So stream it and buy those DVDs and Blu-rays. So oh, yeah, I'm definitely. This is one I'm definitely buying. This, because this is worth owning. Oh yeah, I I purchased my DVD and Blu-ray copies are on their way as we speak, and I will say that of the. Th- there are four Deadly Ten movies already shot. Three of them have been released. This one leaves the other two in the dust. So they don't even compare to how good Ouija's is. So I'll have to see the other ones and, and form uh, form my opinion on that. But I, I I definitely think they have some big shoes to fill. You know, with the rest of the Deadly Ten. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, I I am actually a very uh, big uh supporter of the next one you know you know i'm actually really looking forward to female and cosmic crush but i just that won't compare to this to me so well this movie you know it takes after you know one of my favorite john subgenres. i love little monster movies you know yeah. But little creatures, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're doing a show called Howling at the Full Moon, which has made their career out of doing movies about that, you know, from yeah, and to Puppet like, Master. Their career, yeah, it's just like movies of like little creatures killing people. So, right, yeah, I mean, that's like 90% of what he does, you know, so yep. I, I, I kind of knew like as long as they did it right that this was going to be a classic and yep. they did do it right they did it justice I, I think danny draven did a wonderful job uh the effects people did a wonderful job making you know 1313 studios did a wonderful job making some of these creatures yeah and, and movies like this really support charles band's idea of you'll notice that in full in the full moon universe there isn't a much if any typically person-on-person violence 
Charles right, right. Band isn't uh, a fan of like a slasher. Like he doesn't like the slasher subgenre. He likes like monsters and creatures, little things doing doing the dirty work. You know, you'll get variations on person on person when it's like subspecies or like transers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like transers is still sci-fi. It's still yeah. you know transer yeah. vampires. Yeah, you know? but he's definitely not a fan of like people killing people for film entertainment so this movies like this really play into his his love of like fantastical ideas of like you know little little like crazy you know weird you know demonic or magical creatures that you know prey on humans <laughs> oh yeah it's perfect it, it, it this seemed like a re- I've, i know i've already said this a couple times tonight but it definitely this seems like a return to old school full moon form and I, I love it. I love it for that. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think this is actually the best made, uh, slickest, high concept project that they've done since Ravenwolf Towers. Yeah, I would agree. I agree a hundred percent. And Ravenwolf Towers up until now was the the you know the highest concept, slickest looking thing that they had put out in years. Yeah, that was, you know. Uh, the best thing that I mean, the, again, and it always goes back to some grand old o- hotel, you know, that's also something that's always big in Charlie's world, grand old hotels and grand old castles. Yep. So, hey, they're great well, locations. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The, the locations themselves are, are characters, you know, for sure. Well, let's go ahead and rate and review this bad boy. Uh, what what do you what's your final thoughts on this that we haven't already said a hundred times over tonight? And uh, you're rating on a scale from one to ten, sir. So you know, I think with this this being the first Deadly Ten movie that kicked off the the experiment of you know live streaming an entire production <laughs> to the internet. Uh, this was a great start off for it, I think. It's actually, it's a really creative story. It's fun characters. It's great monsters. Really cool effects. I don't think it ever gets boring. Uh, if you're looking for something that's more exploitation or, you know, sleazy, if you're looking for, you know, boobies and that kind of stuff or like extreme gore it's not really going to be your cup of tea but if you're looking for something that's just like a straight up silly fun popcorn horror movie with fun little creatures and stuff i think this movie's a perfect fit for the bill um like i said it's it created great characters i think the story's got a a really rich (laughs) uh, concept that they could really go far with if they pursue sequels and i hope they do uh, it was really well directed by danny draven i mean he's come a long way from his early days at full moon doing things like horror vision and hell asylum because i mean this is a really big slick polished colorful yes. really stylized movie um and this is i mean this is the full moon i want honestly and like i said i think it's one of the best things they've made and released in years honestly so for me i for me it's a nine i think it's non-stop fun and i i can honestly i could watch it over and over again it doesn't get old yeah i mean i'm if i didn't have to work tomorrow i would watch it over again just as a post review i mean i watched it last week so and i watched <laughs> it again to, for this so yeah, uh, I, I I hope to convince my wife to to watch this one with me. She's a big Ghoulies fan, but I watched it while she was at work, so I'm going to try to convince her for this to be one of our creature feature double features that we do on weekends, and I think she'll love it. But I loved it. it again, it's it's a re- return to true form by Charles Band, and kudos to uh, Danny Draven for you know bringing back you know an old school film feel to a new school film you know it it's definitely set you know in modern times but it you know it feels like a complete throwback to the 80s if it it weren't for the uh the gopro cameras that everybody has with them and cell phones it could have easily just been set in the 80s as another chapter of the ghoulie saga uh i love the return to practical effects and practical monsters you know puppets not cg you know uh created goons you know 
CG has its place. I'm not trying to knock on CG because those people are artists in their own right. But, you know, when I see a, a little creature, uh, you know, a monster in a movie, I want to see it for real. I don't want to see a CG monster. And this del- delivers. It's what, you know, if, if there is an afterlife, uh, John Carl is uh, watching this from cable in the sky <laughs> and he's and he's very happy and yeah i think he would be proud of this movie yes he would it, it, it's a it's a good testament to his career and his legacy uh, i love it i love everything about it it's gremlins and ghoulies on acid no it's gremlins and ghoulies on weed to be quite honest <laughs> there you go and uh you know i'm coming in close to you uh i'm coming in at an 8.5 it's you know it's not perfect it, it's you know but I can find little at fault with this movie, yep. you know, uh, you know, there's a few things that I would have liked to see that maybe I didn't see, you know, but like it's, you know, again, as a filmmaker, I always got to remember, this isn't my movie. This is somebody else's bag, you know, but uh, yeah, I love it. 8.5. I nice. can watch this again and again, and I will definitely, as soon as I get probably my next paycheck, I will probably be dropping on the, on the disc. I'm gonna have to. I, I want this one in the collection. I don't yeah. want to just stream this one. I want. I want this one physically in my hands. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. So see it, folks. If you are a fan of little monsters and little ghoulies and gremlins and hobgoblins and spookies and everything else, you will definitely love this movie. And I think you know when you see it, if you're a full moon fan like we are, and obviously you will, you are because that's why you're here. Uh, I think you'll agree with us that it deserves to have, uh, as Dustin said, uh, you know, seven or eight sequels. Definitely. Well, it has been our review and our deep dive discussion on Ouija's Halloween night. Uh, thank you once again for, you know, joining us here on the show. We appreciate your pat- patronage and we appreciate you listening. And Dustin, I appreciate you taking uh, time out of your schedule and out of your evening to join me again two evenings in a row. Uh, I knew this would be a good one. I didn't even I didn't even have to watch it to know. You know what I mean? It was it was a matter. I knew I was going to love it. And uh, thank you for recommending it. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty, folks. Well, once again, you've been listening to Cinema Degenerations Howling at the Full Moon. I've been your host, Cameron Scott. This is my host, Dustin Hubbard. We bid you a fond farewell for the evening. Good night. <laughs> Quoth the Raven, nevermore. Your next clue is what's in store. It's in here. I can smell it. Dude! <laughs> Read it?